I did have a Facebook post where I was like, you know, I haven't really talked about this out loud because um, as you probably know, like you, like you want to be respectful, like how much am, should I share? Um, how much is it sort of, I'm sharing my own experience and I'm not like trying to point fingers or blame, but it was a chance for me to say, this is what me as a human I'm dealing with. I am a child of someone with borderline. It was less pointing fingers at the borderline. It actually gave me more compassion for her because I could actually at least understand the lens through which she sees the world. And if, if I'm trying to use my own lens, it would be crazy. You'd be like, who behaves that way? That was Marie Poulin, and you're listening to Going There with Jen Burton, episode number six. Going There is a podcast for humans by humans, where we talk with people who've had the absolute emotional shit kicked out of them and come back swinging each and every time. Together, we dive deep into how we navigate the fears, loneliness, challenges, triumphs, oh fucks, and most importantly, find the silver linings. Because when we're able to tell our story about the places that hurt, we remove the power over us. Going there is the place to come for real stories and powerful advice for your own healing journey. I'm your host, Jen Burtonin. In today's episode, Marie and I explore growing up with a borderline personality parent and the lifelong impacts that has on a person, especially when you're a child going through that and and how Marie has really healed around that, including something that I've, I've never really heard about uh, the Meissner technique. And I'm super excited to, to look into that. It sounds absolutely fascinating and, and my cup of tea. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back. We are here today with Marie Poulin. I am so excited to have Marie with us. Uh, we've been in kind of some similar online entrepreneurial circles for a number of years, and we actually um, spent some time in a pool in Portland. Hot tub. Hot tub. <laughs> yeah. I think I had a little too much wine that night, but <laughs> if I remember correctly, you helped me find my shoes. So thank you very much. I've been meaning oh. to tell you that. So You're anyway, welcome. welcome Marie. And thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what you do. You're not, you know, you're not normally sharing your more vulnerable stories out there. Yeah, or at least, you know, maybe through my Instagram feed a little bit. But um, what I do for work, I'm a designer and a digital strategist. I run a company with my partner, Ben, called Okie Dokie, where we help people um, do product development, online courses, um, map out their marketing funnels and that sort of thing. Very cool. How long have you been doing that? We, so we launched a platform about a year ago, and so that was maybe two years in development. So we finally launched our software. Um, and what we noticed was as people were using the software, people would sign up to use it. And again, this is a course delivery platform. And then they'd realize how long it actually takes to build a course that's meaningful. And they'd go, wait, can we cancel our account? And we realized we needed something to actually get people to the point of launching. Um, that people were struggling with imposter complex. They're struggling with, am I the person to teach this? And they'd, they'd kind of get cold feet and back out. So we noticed that this was happening and we realized there was a gap there that we needed to fill through our coaching. Um, and we already were doing a lot of coaching with people to um, whether it's, you know, building their websites, doing digital strategy, uh, marketing coaching, and we realized that we might need to do a little bit more on the product development side of things. So our, our business has kind of shifted over the years as we've just noticed the gaps that are, are there. And so I'd say probably the last year-ish is, is when we've been doing this particular type of coaching. 
Very cool. I'm sure you learn a lot about yourself working with your partner. Yes. <laughs> and just being an entrepreneur. <laughs> be very different styles of working too. Absolutely. Um, like I'm definitely more of a, you know, 100% feelings. I'm the, the ENFP and, and Ben is like the INTJ. Um, so he's, he's all thinking and logic and deadlines and things happen exactly when you say. And I'm like, what feels good? And Does what it- can we let's try this direction. And so it's been really right. I don't know why it doesn't feel good. Yeah, I get you. That's what, you know, I work in software development. That's my bread and butter. And I'm a very feeling led intuition led person. And uh, I think sometimes my developers will look at me like, uh, what's she talking about? <laughs> I'm like, just go with it. Just Is that a struggle go. then to be a feelings person and then mostly? Not so. No, I've, I think I've learned because I've been doing it for so long how to balance it. And like we use the words minimum viable product, whereas in my online space, I might use minimum delightful product and Love they it, would yeah. just roll their eyes. You know what I mean? <laughs> So no, I wouldn't say so. But if I have uh, a VP coming to me wanting, you know, hard metrics, I'm like, but you have to understand the context of the numbers and the numbers only tell half the story. (laughs) And They're like, nope, we need numbers. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. (laughs) So enough of the fun stuff. No, I'm sure we'll laugh along the way. But what I really love to talk about are those stories that hurt, the places that hurt, the healing work that we've done around them, because we all have them. We've all been through something, a bunch of some things, um, what have you. And, and my goal is really to try to normalize those conversations, right? Talk about those places that hurt, bring light to them. Um, because, you know, I found, and that's, it's been a huge part of my own healing is when people, when you share and someone else says me too, right? And it's just, it's just this validation that like, I felt so alone in, in some of these things and I'm not, it's just, it's a constant reminder. So with that, let's get to it. Oh boy. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> bum, bum, bum. All right. So I know you have um, a lot of stuff in your background and I know some of the ways that you've uh, worked on healing those, but I'd love, I'd love you to share whatever organically is coming up at the moment. Cause I also know on your Instagram today, you mentioned some trauma going on or, or a, an event that has, has brought up some trauma. So again, this is kind of an open book for you to just talk. Cause I know that, I know that people will relate. Mm, gosh, where to begin. Um, I guess what's coming up most recently that you probably saw me share about was uh, learning that a close family member has lung cancer and it's not the first you know incident of this and I'm sure a lot of us can relate we've had uh, parents or grandparents that have been struck with illness but of course it brings up it brings up a lot of memories it brings up a lot of interesting scenarios because you know, your mind starts going to that morbid place of okay well is it time to go back and visit and do I visit before the funeral? Do I visit now and again? It's like, how long do we even have? And all of those questions start to come up. So it, it's, it starts to, I guess, open up some old memories and old wounds. Um, I know for me specifically, I'm happy to share anything about this, but I haven't spoken to my mother in over six years now. Uh, we did try to do a few reconciliations in the last couple of years, which ended in disaster. Oh, no. Uh, and, and so at some point I had to say, I may never get the resolution there that I'm looking for. Um, And so what does that mean if a grandparent passes away and I have to go visit my childhood home where I'm maybe not welcome? 
what does that look like? Do I say, too bad I'm showing up anyway? Do I not show up? What does that look like? So yeah, that's kind of what I'm what I've been wrestling with at the moment. Holy cow. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's that's like, well, no, I mean, just, you know, I, I shared I have no contact with my dad for two years. Yeah, it's not an easy, easy thing at all. And it's just, I'm, I'm imagining the anxiety around thinking, just thinking about this, right? And it's probably places you've, you know, kind of thought you've maybe addressed and now it's coming up again. And yeah, you know, it's like you have to, it's like the, the wound is open again. As my, my wonderful therapist describes it, it's like a guitar string that gets plucked, right? So that like reverberation, it's always kind of there. It's never going to go away necessarily. So you can, you can do the work. You can always be doing the work. Um, I don't think it erases kind of that, that imprint, that blueprint. And, you know, we've talked about this a little bit. And so I thought, you know, for years, because I live on the other side of the country, I, I moved on and with a new partner, you know, I've, I'm detached from my parents, I'm my own person, I've done the work, I'm good, right? Um, but I didn't, I don't think I realized the extent and how deeply that childhood imprint stays with you and your same stuff, if you haven't dealt with it, will keep showing up again and again and again. Um, and so a really good friend of mine who's a therapist, uh, you know, very gently nudged me. She didn't say like, you've got mommy issues you need to work on. But <laughs> she's like, I have a great therapist if you ever want a recommendation. And so I thought, you know, what the heck? Like, sure, I've done my work. I guess like, sure, you know, like I'll, I'll just yeah, give this. I'll show talk. them. <laughs> I wasn't thinking much of it. And I just thought, okay, it'll be a you know, fun experiment. Like I'm, I'm a personal development junkie. I read all the books. Like I'm, I'm all for learning more about myself and how I show up and all of that. So um, went to see a therapist. This was maybe a year, year and a half ago. And 20 minutes into the first meeting with her, she basically said, have you ever done any research on borderline personality disorder? And I said, no, I, I'd kind of heard of it. I didn't really know much about it. And she's like, obviously I can't diagnose your family members, but from the limited information you've told me, I highly, highly suspect that your mother likely has borderline personality disorder. If she does, that shapes everything about the way you move through the world. Literally everything, the way you see the world, the way you show up, like your body language. And I realized like it, it only took her 20 minutes to figure that out. And it, it really, really highlighted for me how much we carry that mm -hmm. stuff. Like just that even my body language would have signaled that, the, the questions I was asking, the things I was thinking out loud, um, even the reason for me showing up, all of that was signaling to her. Um, and it just, it just really solidified for me that there's obviously very common patterns, right? Like there must be a pattern of like, child of someone who has borderline like there's got to be very similar yeah. traits that are going to show up time and time again um so i think after believing you know for six years like oh but i've done the work i'm like free of my parents i realized oh man like there's some stuff like there's stories that are so deeply embedded and unconscious patterning that i wasn't even aware was there. And for me, a big way that that has shown up is in my, my self-esteem, my confidence, my ability to stand up on stage and give a talk and feel like I can do that. And yeah. to show up on video, to show up in any real way where I'm being seen as myself, that has been the work that I will probably do for the rest of my life. <laughs> you did a 100-day video project recently, didn't you? Is that where that stemmed from? 
Yeah, well, I mean, the working on myself and working on, on putting myself out there started, you know, years ago. Um, but so when the 100 day project challenge came up, and for those of you that don't know, it's it's a 100 day art challenge, you can pick anything to do for 100 days, whatever, as long as you commit to the 100 days, it could be a doodle every day. And for me, my mind immediately went to I should do a vid, like a video blog every day because that would be crazy. Yeah. That would be really hard for you. And so I committed to doing it and um, it was, you know, really, really uncomfortable. And there's some days where like, I don't feel like putting on makeup. I don't feel like being on camera. I don't have anything to talk about. I'm feeling really low today. Mm. And it didn't matter. I just had to show up every single day. Um, you know, some, some of the videos are just like, here's me playing out <laughs> in the garden. You know, like, yeah. Some of them are pop-outs, some of them are boring, but the commitment was to just do it every single day, and I did. And of course, one of the most popular videos in the 100 days was the Mother's Day video. It was the longest video, it was 15 minutes, and it was me talking out loud about my honest struggles with Mother's Day. Um, I don't remember seeing that. So I'll, I'll um, if you can share the link with me, I'll add that to the show notes because I know I want to see it, which means uh, <laughs> a lot of people want to see it. <laughs> I got so many Facebook messages, Instagram messages, personal emails and comments on YouTube than anything else I've ever put out there. I could not believe how many people said, um, thank you, me too. Or like, just thank you for sharing that. That was really vulnerable. I've been so impressed with your vulnerability. Um, I had someone reach out a couple weeks ago who just said, I've been really inspired by your Instagram feed and how just willing to go there you are. It's actually changed the way I'm thinking about my own Instagram feed. Really? That was so amazing. Like if, if me being a little bit more vulnerable can inspire or encourage other people to, to show a little bit more about what's happening behind the scenes. I'm like, my work is done. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's my whole thing is, you know, I like to say the thousand feelings behind the smile. It's, you know, I can't help that I'm a naturally smiley person. Um, but there's a lot beneath the surface, you know, it's a lot of it's a show sometimes. And a lot of times I am happy. And, you know, I've learned I can hold space for both the happy, the sad, like, all of that. I'm a complex creature. We all are. <laughs> Absolutely. We all are. It's only here. Yeah. Yeah. So I know one of the reasons I wanted to reach out to you to have you be a guest is you published an article on Medium about the borderline. And I think that was maybe a year plus ago. Um, but my dad is that I have no contact with, um, was diagnosed with borderline personality. And so when you were talking about that just a few minutes ago, um, I started getting kind of nauseous <laughs> because, you know, and we were talking about how the body remembers and, and there's a great book that I'll, I'll add to the show notes, but the body keeps the score. But it was just like, I wasn't expecting to talk to you and feel nauseous. And all you had to do was mention borderline personality and childhood. And it's like immediately stomach is like, Oh, I know exactly what that feels like. Um, so anyway, you had this great article on medium and I think it was a lot of vulnerability. And I, if I remember correctly, you even said like, I'm kind of scared or nervous to put this out there because you're putting yourself out there in a way that you hadn't online before. Is that, am I remembering that correctly? I think, yeah, it might have been, I wonder if that was my a Facebook post. Um, 
because I, I did write a medium article, but I didn't, I didn't address my own vulnerability in the medium article. Okay. Okay. Uh, but I, I did have a Facebook post where I was like, you know, I haven't really talked about this out loud because, um, as you probably That's know, what I'm remembering. Yeah, like you want to be respectful. Like, how much am, should I share? Yeah. Um, how much is it sort of? I'm sharing my own experience and I'm not like trying to point fingers or blame, but it was a chance for me to say, um, this is what I'm, this is what me as a human I'm dealing with. I am a child of someone with borderline. It was less, you know, pointing fingers at the borderline. If anything, it gave me more, it actually gave me more compassion for her Mm -hmm. because I could actually at least understand the lens through which she sees the world. And and if, if I'm trying to use my own lens, it, it, it would be crazy. You'd be like, who behaves that way? That yeah. is totally crazy. Like, who are you? And like, do you have no empathy? Like, what is going on here? But once you understand, why, like, why the behaviors, the, the underlying yeah. why, you're like, it makes sense that you would show up that way. Of course that makes sense. So it doesn't mean I want to be in your sphere. Does it mean I'm going to keep the lines of communication open just because I, I should or just because we're related by blood? Um, I can have compassion f- for you from a distance and, and sort of keep myself at a safe, you know, outside of the, <laughs> the vortex yeah, <laughs> over there. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, I know you understand, right? So I, do. I think finding the, you know, and again, I'm sure you can relate to this, but just finding the space to forgive yourself for making the decision to go no contact. Like that was a really difficult transition. Like, am I the the monstrous child that, that I'm believed to be? Where am I? Where could I show up better? Where, where is it sort of on me? And and where is it um, like, you can leave the door open, but if someone isn't walking through, like there's only so much you can do. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, where, where are the places I can work on and that I can change that are within my control? And the rest is sort of like, I can't, I can't be responsible for those, those emotions or that guilt. Like you can only do so much. Right. But yeah, that's a hard decision to, it's very yeah. hard. I think for me, the line in the sand was, you know, I was used to the emotional abuse. That's what I grew up under. Um, it was when it was directed towards my children I was like, nope, mama bear. Mama bear yeah. comes in. Hell no. Um, you know, and so the decision at the time was very easy. But, uh, you know, and it, it is that struggle of like, how much do you, this, when I talk about it, and I, I even use the hashtag, like my story, my voice, this is not my mom's story. This is not my brother's story, my dad's story. This is my remembering, my perspective. And that's really important. But again, it's like, how much do you share? especially when the other person is alive. You know, one of the things with, um, and you touched upon this, but it's like I, my dad and his illness, it's a known entity. I can put a finger on it. It's tangible. I can, I can, I can wrap my brains around it and, and understand it and feel compassion. Where I really have struggled is um, feeling like my mom didn't protect us. You know, and, and her story is she did, right? Because again, that's her perspective. But that's something that has been, I still don't think I fully have dealt with it. It's still this bitterness of no one had my back. None of the adults in my life stepped Mm -hmm. in to protect my brother and I. That was the persona I put on from a very young age. Good, bad, right or wrong, you know, and shapes who you are today. (laughs) Absolutely. And so it's that, it's that feeling like my mom didn't protect us. And I'm like, she doesn't have the same illness. What is her excuse, right? And so I, like, I'm having to work through all of that. And oh my God, is it hard? Oh, I, love, I, can... I love my mom, you know? 
Um, there's so much good that she's also done as a mom. Absolutely. You know? so I'm, I'm just curious if you have any, oh. any feelings, if you could relate to that. <laughs> 100%, but it sounds like for us, the roles are reversed. And yeah. so um, there was a lot of, you know, again, even with my, my partner, Ben, too, he, he's sort of like, I don't really understand how, like, how does your dad enable that? Or like, maybe is he being a coward? Like, yeah. and you, you want to judge and you want to point fingers and you want to um, just kind of have more understanding, like, how can you let this happen? And um, I think for me, I had a really great moment of clarity when I spent some time with my dad's brother, my uncle, and he sort of reminded me and he said, if you look at it through the lens of trauma, it makes absolute sense. Like when you look at the trauma that your father has been through in his lifetime, mm. it makes sense that he is with someone who is abusive. Yeah. Oh. It, and it, again, it just gave me this whole new level of compassion for him. And I thought, of course, like so much of his behavior suddenly kind of came into focus. And so, yes, there's enabling. Yes, there's, you know, him, what feels like him not sticking up for us. And I also have to realize that's the woman that he spends every day with and has, has to deal with the eggshell. Like mm -hmm. yeah, he has to deal with those eggshells. I can kind of avoid it and live on the other side of the country, not have to deal with it and kind of shut that down. But this is, a, it's like, I've chosen my bed and I have to lie in it. Yeah. And he, you know, that's all he's known. Um, I think my parents got married when they were 18 and 22 and they've been together Wow. ever since. So, I mean, that's, it's, it boggles my mind. And yeah. um, I had this, I had this moment in, in therapy too. My dad is really, he's always encouraged us to kind of hone our intuition. And he even used to do these like psychic exercises with us where he would that's hold up cards, awesome. really cool. And like, he's into all sorts of crazy stuff, like astral projection and like journeys out of the body. And, and he's always been, and he's like a, math guy, logic and math, but he also has this really interesting intuitive side. So our bookshelves at home were full of like really, really fascinating, like <laughs> metaphysical, wow. really out there reads, which is really cool. And I always, I wondered to myself, like, how is it possible that someone so smart and so apparently emotionally intuitive and, and sort of aware is married to this kind of person? How does that happen? And I brought that up to my therapist and she said, did it ever occur to you that there's a reason he's drawn to those books. Mm. It was, it's like so obvious, but it blew my mind. Like I didn't really think, of course, if he was 22 when he, he met my mom, like all of these books and things that he's been learning about have come since being with her. So of course, in a way, I'm sort of like, of course he's looking to escape his reality. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That is heartbreaking and cool <laughs> all at the same time. Right? You know, yeah. What you just shared, um, you know, your dad growing up with trauma, and of course he would um, choose this person. You know, my mom uh, was abandoned by her dad when she was three. And it just kind of clicked as you were talking. Um, because, I, too, it's like my entire life, I begged my mom to leave my dad. Like, I don't remember wanting them to be together. I, you know, I, I begged to divorce, to leave. Um, and she didn't until about two years ago, you know, and I'm 47. So wow. when I was about 45, she, she finally left. And, but I, if I think about, you know, the, the puzzle pieces, she was abandoned by her dad when she was three. 
you know, it, she is a, her, she has a fear of abandonment, right? And so staying with something is better than not having anything in her mind. Um, the trauma continues. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I know, I know it's, it's, it's crazy. One of the things, and again, we were talking about this, but, but the improv and, and how that came about, um, cause that just seemed, I, you know, it's not like we talk all the time. It's we're Facebook friends and Instagram friends. It was like, all of a sudden you're doing this improv and just like sharing your stories around that and the healing. And, you know, and, and I think at that time I was like, Oh, I'm going to go do that a little bit too. So you inspired me to do that. Thank you. Oh, very cool. But yeah. I'd love yeah. to hear a little bit more about that and, you know, just your experiences and, and how it's helped or not. <laughs> oh yeah. It's so it was, it's called Meisner technique uh, acting classes. I took it in Vancouver. It was yeah, two and a half hours every week for a year. And it, the very initial sign-up was the supernaturally shy intro to acting. And it was like four classes long. And I was like, okay, good. You know, it's like a safe introduction to, to being on the stage. Like I'm not an actress and I, I didn't have any intention of being an actress, but um, for me, I was seeking some way of getting more comfortable being on stage uh, or performing, you know, whether it's um, like I do a lot of podcast interviews or, or like small like webinars and that sort of thing. But I knew that if I wanted to do speaking in, in a bigger way, I just needed to get more comfortable with myself. And so I thought, what, sh what more challenging way could I do yeah. that in an acting class? So I signed up for the classes and it was a really interesting experience. So the first four classes, I think in class number two, the exercise, we had to sing on stage. Oh, and God. like, I, I've never felt such a visceral uh, fight or flight my I, I seriously thought my organs were shutting down. I'm like, this is what death feels like. This is what dying feels oh like. God. I, I was like, I could just run out the door right now. And I'm like, and she's guiding us through a meditation. And she's like, and then, you know, we're going to get you guys to sing, but right now we're going to, and she's like being all calm and meditating. I'm like, this is <laughs> like, <not> fuck that. <laughs> Everything is screaming alert, alert. You need to run out the fucking door right now. And so, you know, she's trying to, to get us to like, really like tune into your body and how your body's feeling. I'm like, my body is dying. This is holy shit. Holy shit. Oh freaking out. And you just had to pick a couple verses of a song and, and get up on stage and just sing. And it's a small class. There's like eight to 10 people, but still it's a class of like yeah. super nervous, shy, socially awkward people. <laughs> now you're going to have them sing. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Here we go. So I get up there and the only thing that I can think, like the only thing I can remember lyrics to in my panic is Weird Al's Jurassic Park. And what? I'm like, what? <laughs> Oh my god! I can't even. Is like, that something you like, that you like listen to a lot? Well, like my sister and I, when we were kids, we would like oh, sure. just, you know belt it out loud. Okay. And, but it's not something I would ever have sung in public. Like it's a joke song. Yeah, and it's the only one I can think of. And and the instructions like like to think of a song that means something to you, and you're supposed to like sing it with meaning, right? And I'm like, how do you sing about fucking Jurassic Park dinosaurs with meaning? And so. I, you know, I sing it and I'm like, just <laughs> pure panic at this point. I'm like, I'm like trying to hold back the tears because I'm just so embarrassed. And so later the teacher actually admitted to me because after the class is done, after the four sessions are done, they kind of debrief with you and see like, how did you find, you know, the class? And like, are you going to renew into like the regular eight class session? And and would I get funneled into like the normal non-supernaturally shy? <laughs> like they, they figure out where to put That's you. That's cool. And um, she's like, I gotta be honest, like, I didn't think you were gonna make it. <laughs> like, she didn't think I was gonna show up again and yeah. 
sign up for the next round because she probably saw the pure the pure panic on my face. But yeah, so it was the most uncomfortable experience of my life. And I continued to show up every single week. Oh and sometimes God. you just have to do like, you are going to dance with no music on stage alone for 30 seconds. Just go. Dancing and singing in public. Like, oh. Brave soul. It was really, really painful. And, um, and you never feel so proud of yourself. as I was like, if I can get through one of these classes, I can literally do anything. Because if I can do a talk and I don't have to sing and dance and just like dance with no music either, like it's just, oh my gosh. And I mean, those are just some of the examples, but um, other examples are like having to sit in front of a stranger, like someone that you don't know, you never met, and you're sitting really, really close to each other and you just have to stare into each other's eyes for five minutes in silence. And you have rows of chairs and people are just staring at each other. Um, So awkward. (laughs) And then just like, like shivers. It's, it's the hardest thing to look a stranger in the eye for such an extended period of time. And once you've done the classes enough, like I'd say, I'd say it probably took me about six weeks of laughing hysterically through all of, all of the classes. Like I couldn't, I couldn't take it seriously. I was laughing all the time. Um, people are like, you're hiding your feelings. I'm like, what? I'm in a good mood. Like smiley, happy. Cause probably the nervous energy was making me yeah, hysterically, right? And the teacher was like, it's totally fine. Like, don't worry about it. Like, as long as the feeling is authentic, that's what we want. So show up in all of your awkwardness, whatever that looks like for you, bring that. If you're having a shitty day, bring your shitty bring day it. with you. And you're going to, it's like a gift to give to the other person across from you that you're working with to show up fully in whatever the hell you're feeling. So it was, it was this crazy permission to just like feel whatever you're feeling. So you could come in and be mopey. Like some people would come in and just, you could feel they were like cranky. Other people are like fighting back tears and you don't know why you don't know what their day looked like. So you're doing these exercises with people and you know, you're just channeling whatever is happening for you. And that other person is, is giving you permission to, to play. Wow. With you. So it's yeah. like sometimes you're slamming a door in someone's face for like over and over and over again saying like, get the fuck out of my face again and again and again like at some point the laughter dissipates and you're like oh I'm like feeling something <laughs> something's being yeah, triggered something's here. coming up here something's coming up yeah. so it's wow. like an emo- the most powerful emotional playground and it's unlike anything I have ever experienced like how many places do you truly truly get to ride that roller coaster of emotion and just to go from being hysterically laughing to suddenly crying in the same class wow um, and my superpower was making three grown men cry in one class. I'm really? Pretty proud of myself for that. Wow. <laughs> was it your singing? I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, but I'm here all week. <laughs> well, uh, maybe when we're in a pool or hot tub uh, again, you can uh, sing, your, sing your song. No, that's, I, I need to look that up. It's just, that sounds oh, right up my alley. Um, such a, what a powerful way to just like yeah, no kidding. check in, check in also and notice how your how much your body carries emotion. Like, I think that's for me, you know, I had just signed up for therapy, which was amazing. I was only going every like five, six weeks or so, which is like nice check-ins. And that's a chance to like intellectualize your emotions, right? Yeah. Like talk yeah. it out loud and get some clarity. But the acting you don't get to explain to the class why you were just crying through that exercise. Like it may not have it, been it a triggering. It doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't even matter. You don't even get to say like, oh guys, I've had a bad day. Like it doesn't matter. No one cares. And like 
you just have to own it. So I'd go home sometimes, I'm like walking home and I get home to bed and I'm like, I just need, I just need you to hold me. I'm feeling really tender right now. And he's like, I have no idea what's going on, but okay. That's what I was going to yeah. ask you was like, what was that like coming home to, to Ben? And, you know, did you bring like some, if you, if you had like a rage moment, did you bring that oh. home? Were we able to check that? Yeah. Or? Oh no, it was impossible to like turn it off. Um, yeah. And, and one thing Ben did say, <laughs> there was one time we were walking down the street and he kind of interrupted me and I was like, don't interrupt me. And I was like, oh, I caught myself and I was like, oh my gosh, that was like really kind of bitchy. And he's like, like, no, it's actually been nice to kind of see you being a little bit more assertive. Oh, <laughs> so he was, he was, he noticed a difference and he was quite supportive about it. He's like, it was really nice to see you um, like recognizing your emotions sooner. If yeah. I'm like, uh, you know, triggered by something, I could be like, oh, like, I'm actually feeling a little upset right now. Whereas before, uh, I think I was extremely cut off to anger in a way that I had no idea before that class. I was like, I'm just a happy person all the time. Like, I was really, really not tuned into anger. I, you know, I could count on one hand the amount of times, or certainly Ben had never really seen me get angry. It's like a very, very rare thing. And I was like, I just, it, it takes a lot to ruffle mm-hmm. my feathers. And in this class, there were times you like you had to summon the anger and you'd have to do something like bring an object to class that's really triggering for you, either positive or negative. So I brought the engagement ring that my ex gave my mom to give to me. Like, don't talk to my ex and I don't talk to my mom anymore. And now I have this like broken ring that I'm going to like talk about. In cl- and you're just like freeform oh talking out loud about these like really triggering events because actors have to summon that at like the snap of a finger. But that's just it. I mean, it's that it's talking about it. It's it's allowing yourself to feel and it's it's so hard to do. And I think for so long, and I'll just speak to my story, but for so long, I didn't even realize that I wasn't feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's like this awareness that, okay, I'm not feeling I'm alive, but I'm not dead. Right. And then getting curious about that. And just like, for me, it's probably been seven to 10 plus years of like, working on trying to be be comfortable with feeling feeling hurt feeling love feeling you know and it's easy to put on this mask it's easy to know you know I I do love my husband and here's what a marriage is supposed to look like but the I don't know the act of love the feel I don't know it's like going through all that hard work is just it's exhausting. And for me, it's been so worth it. And, you know, it's like, I can tap into that. You know, my husband too is recognizing in me that I can, I can say sooner, this is how I'm feeling. I need your help with this. Cause I'm feeling this way. And it's, it's been tremendous in our, in our own relationship and what have you. One of the things, and, and we'll start wrapping up here, but I talked a little bit about my mom. Um, and, and one of my healing techniques is learning how to self mother. And I think it comes it's come easily to me because I'm also raising a daughter who's now 13. So hitting those teenage years, right? And I, I can very easily look at her and say, okay, if I were, if she were in the situation that I'm finding myself in, what advice would I want her to know? What would I want her to know? How would I want her to feel? And then turning that inward and giving it to myself. But it is this concept of self-mothering as a tool for healing. And especially if you've had this relationship with your mom and your mom has this illness, does has there been like any of that where you've had to learn how to be a mother to yourself or have you had other women in your life that have been able to do that for you? That's a great question. 
I guess I'd, I'd probably have to learn some, some of those self-mothering skills, but I've definitely <laughs> had some amazing, amazing women and mentors in my life that have been mother-like figures for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the first job that I got out of university, I was um, working with my boss out of his house and his wife was the love that they had and the way, like the way they showed affection for each other and the way they spoke with each other and the way they spoke of their children was so beautiful. And it was unlike I remember thinking, okay, these two are, are weird. Yeah. weird. Like it was so loving. I, I almost didn't understand it. Yeah. I have that experience too. Oh, it was so beautiful. And so she, she just had so much love to give and the way they included me in their family. Um, she was maybe the first real example, I think in my adult years where I was seeing what mothering could look like. Mm. Um, and then of course there, like Ben's mother is absolute rock star. Super yeah. fun, is amazing. Um, so I've just, I've had these other examples of mothers in my life. And admittedly, I have mother envy, you know, when yeah, I see people yeah. have really close relationships with their mother, I, I envy that. And I, in some ways it's, it's a jealousy. Like, Oh, I never had that. Like yep. what ways am I missing out? Because I don't have that. So it's, yeah, it's, it's tough, but I've had other people in my life that can sort of give me the nurturing that I need. And so I think I've sought it out in other ways okay. to be able to receive it in other ways. Yeah. And I think that's where I didn't know how to seek it out. Um, I've, I've really struggled with um, female friendships, what have you, my, my entire life. And and thankfully now I've, I've addressed that and I actually have a lovely, lovely group of friends locally and internationally. And I, I just, I couldn't be happier with my, my women friends. But when I entered the kind of that online entrepreneurial self-help, I can recognize it now, but I spent thousands of dollars on the well-known people and it was to, to validate myself, right? It was to get that female validation. It's like I paid people. I so desperately wanted someone to take me under their wings and nurture that I got to the point where I was willing to pay for that. Yeah. And that's kind of gross and heartbreaking. And, <laughs> but I'm like, that was, that was part of my story. It, you know, it is what it is. And maybe it's not gross. Like maybe that's like, that's the way you needed to cope. And and if it benefited you and and you got that feeling that you needed, maybe it's not. Yeah. Well, and I think through that, I met other people and then they became those people for me or, you know, the, the, yeah, you know, and we take each other under, under our wings when we need to. And, you know, it's just, I want to share my strength. I sometimes need others strength, you know, and it's just this beautiful, beautiful symbiotic relationship. Absolutely. Anywho, um, all right. So we're going to hop into a couple of quick questions here. When is the last time you astonished yourself? I think I astonished myself when I completed the 100 day project. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. How about the last time you embarrassed yourself? And it can't be your singing. <laughs> like, make it good. I mean, I feel like I do that a lot. So I need to think of. Um... <laughs> Well, my someone, a guest asked me and I'm like, well, I almost put my pants on the bus and Facebooked it. <laughs> so it literally can be anything. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've, cer- I've certainly had my share of moments at, at theme parks. Like one of my favorites was wearing a you know, two piece bikini and going down the kamikaze and having like the top roll up and then the yes. bottom wedgie. And I'm like, oh gosh, which one do oh, I like? What do I do? <laughs> Now, I think uh, a lot of people can relate to that. I know I certainly can. 
And then what do you have going on right now that you're excited about? Um, right now I'm excited about a program that I'm launching called Run Your Learning Launch, which is intended to get more people launching quicker with a first first draft, rough and ready version of whatever their product idea is, whether it's a course. that. It's like I'm taking all of the sort of um, embracing failure and like just trying stuff and I'm trying to get more people comfortable with like just just get it out there get real feedback and then you can build the the prettier iterated version of it but I just I want less people to to procrastinate for three years as they're like trying to build their signature thing I'm like just get it out there yeah so that's what I'm working on now when will that be available probably in a couple of weeks I'm partnered up with okay. Stacy how a lot on that oh, yeah. um, she's awesome and I can, I can share the URL with you. Uh, yeah. I'm just working on the sales page now, but yeah, uh, you can probably to. Google run your learning launch. What's funny is uh, by day, I'm a project manager, agile coach, lean coach. And so I, I work with, you know, millions of dollars in people um, or have in, in parts of my past of getting us to iterate and just get something out there that's not perfect to get the feedback loop going. And it's been impossible for me <laughs> to do what I'm so good at doing for others. <laughs> oh, it's so much easier like, telling people yeah. what to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, cobblers, children have no oh, shoes. Absolutely. So speaking of that, let's wrap it up with what are you so good at for others, but struggle doing for yourself? <laughs> Probably t- telling other people how to improve their boundaries and <laughs> yet my boundaries suffer for sure it's like again it's so much easier to tell other people like just tell the client that that scope increase will cost more just tell the client just do this just but I, still do. I still struggle yeah. with putting up uh putting up those boundaries and and knowing um because i want to i want to help people people pleaser like of course we can we can just do that um and because i'm a bit of a generalist i think it's it's easy for me to blur those lines of what i can just hop in and do for someone because it just takes me a few minutes here and there yeah so that's 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 definitely the thing i struggle with thank you so much and i mean thanks for sharing uh the bits and pieces of your story because again there's so much i can relate to and you know borderline personality i mean it's it's, it's the real deal. You know, it's no one of the joke. toughest ones. It is no joke. Uh, and I'm sure there's plenty of us that can relate to that. So again, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And there's a book too that might be similar to your book recommendation. Yeah. Um, I think it was Stop Walking on Eggshells. Oh, I, I like that. Yeah, I'm sure you can relate to the, yeah. the title. But uh, I think it is geared at borderline uh, children of, of people with borderline. But I do think a lot of people can relate to the what it's like to maybe have felt like you walked on eggshells as a, as a child. So that reading, that changed the way I looked yeah. at Borderline. It was really, really helpful. Oh, I will definitely put that in the show notes and I'm going to get that up from my library because, yeah, I'm just always, it's the curiosity in me is I just I want to understand, you know? So anyway, thanks. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to Marie and I riff on growing up with parents that suffer from borderline personality disorder. It's such a heartbreaking and tragic thing for for all involved, including the person who has it. For notes from our show, including how to learn more about Marie, please visit jenburtonin.com slash podcast. And if you haven't already done so, I would so love if you head over to your podcast listening app of choice. It could be iTunes or Stitcher, or Google Play, and subscribe, leave a rating, review, what have you. 
this really helps get going there into the ears of people who who most need it. And let's be honest, we can all use a bit of healing, a whole lot less feeling alone, and some laughter. Until next time, join the conversation over on Instagram. You can find me at Jen Burtonin using the hashtag heal the parts that hurt. Thanks so much.